Friends, Romans, countrymen, lend me your ears. I'm Mark Anthony, and this is Demolition News Radio, episode 111. In this episode, my dad, my hero. This podcast is sponsored by WillowHire.com, the UK's leader in dust suppression equipment. Kick the dust into touch with our new, bigger and better all-in-one dust suppression units for hire. Call Willow on 01582-840045. As the title of this episode probably suggests, what follows has absolutely nothing whatsoever to do with demolition. So please adjust your expectations accordingly. But if you stick around to the end, I think you'll agree that this temporary diversion was warranted and normal programming will resume shortly. My dad was my best man when I got married. There's no question that the best man's speech would have been more entertaining and insightful if I'd chosen my best friend Bruce to be my best man. There's no doubt that the stag night would have been a lot more risque too. But after a lot of careful consideration... I decided that my best man should be the best man that I knew. And that man was my dad. When I was a young kid, my dad was right up there with Bobby Moore and Muhammad Ali. He was my idol. An idol I just happened to share a house with. He wasn't a sporting hero, although on occasions his exploits with a fishing rod took him very close. For most of my life, my dad was employed as a chauffeur. He worked ridiculously long hours to put food on the family table and to keep a roof over the family's head. Somewhere along the line, possibly while I was distracted, he secretly instilled in me the same work ethic, probably as a punishment for all the occasions when, as a certainly teenager, I criticised him for all the time he spent at work. For all that, and a whole lot more, my dad was my hero. And that was why, on the day I got married, he wasn't sat at my mum's side in the church. He was stood by mine. My dad was my hero. Be sure to check out Demolition TV on YouTube. The only YouTube show dedicated to demolition. I didn't always see him that way. My dad was, and still is, very conservative in his outlook. My upbringing was strict. On occasions it was verging on Victorian. And that's fine when you're a young kid and you don't know any better. But when you're a teenager and all your friends are smoking, drinking and chasing girls, trust me, it's not so great. Ironically, my dad has been a smoker all his life, and yet I've never tried a cigarette. Yet my dad is staunchly teetotal while, for the longest time, I was a semi-professional drinker. My dad once told me that I arranged my life around pub hours, and I distinctly remember wondering how else I was expected to schedule my day. He wasn't a huge fan of my fashion choices either. He strictly forbade me from getting my ear pierced, so I waited for my parents to go on a holiday and got it done anyway, only to discover that it made me look like a gay pirate. He once took such exception to the ponytail I'd grown that he cut it off, At the time, it felt like a Samson and Delilah moment. All my teenage power resided in that ponytail. With hindsight, he was probably right. The ponytail only added to the gay pirate aesthetic. And so there was a period when I was about 16 or 17 when we could barely be in the same room together. We were polar opposites forced to share a home. And it was his home, with his rules. Demolition News Radio. The independent voice of the global demolition industry. For most of my life, my dad has looked like a welterweight boxer. He's about five foot seven tall, and from his wedding day up until the day he retired, his weight never went much over ten stone seven. That's 147 pounds in old money. Long before he became a chauffeur, 
he had done a bunch of manual jobs that had whittled him down to something approaching an athletic physique. He never had a six-pack as far as I can recall, but there was not an ounce of fat around his middle either. To this day, he has the biceps of a fighter, and despite his relatively slight frame, he was always strong. By the time I was 17, I was a good three inches taller than my dad, and probably 20 pounds heavier. So one day, I decided the time had come to test myself against him. I challenged him to an arm wrestling competition, and I beat him. For a split second, I was astounded that I had managed to conquer the man whose strength I had admired for so long. A split second later, I realised I had conquered the man I had most admired in the world. My elation was replaced with the horrible realisation that my dad was mortal after all. About this time, I met a girl. I was working by then, and so I had planned to take her out on what was my and her first dinner date. This was the early 80s, and so I was going, naturally, to a Bernie Inn. If you're too young to remember the Bernie Inn, think Harvester without the salad bar. And if you're listening to this in the US, think Red Lobster without the class. This being the 80s, I was wearing a suit and tie. Not out of formality, but because that was the fashion then. The suit was mine, but I borrowed the tie from my dad. As I was leaving the house, my dad said the same thing he says to me to this day. You are right for money? I assured him I was. But then he put his hand on my shoulder and said, can I give you some advice? This was it, I thought. I had vanquished him on the field of arm wrestling battle, and this was the point at which he would bestow upon me all the masculine wisdom I could ever need. This was the point that I would claim his crown and become the man of the house. So I agreed. And he said, order the omelette. At first, I thought he'd imparted generations of Antony family wisdom in some code that I didn't yet understand. But I could tell from his face that he was really just talking about food. Before I could say another word, he explained, Look, it's your first dinner date. You will be nervous and she'll be nervous. You'll be tempted to order the steak to impress her, but trust me, the first time you cut into that steak, there'll be peas and french fries everywhere. So order the omelette. I was still shaking my head in disbelief an hour or so later when both myself and my girlfriend ordered the steak. I was shaking my head even more when, just seconds later, my girlfriend cut into her steak and scattered peas and french fries across the table. Had this happened now, I would have taken a photo and messaged it to my dad with a message of contrition, bowing to his superior wisdom. But this was the 80s, and smartphones were still decades away, and so I had to wait until the following day to tell him what had happened. He just nodded sagely, as if he'd seen the entire scene played out in a vision. For all of that, and a whole lot more, my dad was my hero. Demolition News Radio is the podcast of demolitionnews.com and the Demolition Magazine. I'm often asked if Mark Anthony is my real name, or whether it's a pseudonym I've cooked up to make me sound like an author. But Mark Anthony is my real name. It's also my dad's real name, and it was his dad's real name too. In fact, I am Mark Anthony III, but I can't use that because it makes me sound like a country and western singer. To avoid confusion, my parents have always referred to me by my middle name, Sean. In fact, although I don't have a pen name as such, I do lead a dual name existence. My parents, my sister, my aunts, uncles, cousins, and all the people that I grew up with know me as Sean to this day. However, when you start a new school or apply for or get a job, everyone assumes that your first name is the name that you go by. So to half the world I'm Mark, and to the other half I'm Sean. And for the most part, those two worlds never collide. But they did on my wedding day. 
Aside perhaps for his own wedding, my dad has never made a speech in his life. So he'd be working on his best man speech for weeks, possibly months. But hey, he was the best man I knew. That would be fine, right? No need to check it for spelling or grammar. My dad had it all under control. So the master of ceremonies called those assembled to quiet for the best man's speech. My dad rose to his feet, clutching several sheets of paper. And he started talking about this bloke called Sean. Now to half the audience, the half from my side of the family, that was entirely natural. Of course he was talking about Sean. But to the other half, it suddenly sounded like he either didn't know his own son's name, or worse, he'd recycled the speech from a wedding involving a man called Sean and had forgotten to change their names. There were several members of my wife's family that looked around to make sure they were actually at the right reception. And for all that, and a whole lot more, my dad was my hero. If you would like to help support this show, Demolition News, or the Demolition Magazine, please consider becoming a patron. Just head over to patreon.com forward slash demolition news to find out more. We had our ups and downs over the years. Although with the benefit of hindsight, I can see that almost all of the downs could be attributed to me, while my dad delivered most of the highs. Despite the fact that I haven't lived at home for almost 30 years now, I'm sure that I remain a constant source of frustration to him. There are things about him that frustrate me too, like his deference to anyone in authority, and his politics which are basically the polar opposite of mine. But all of that is outweighed by all of the good that he did and continues to do for me, my sister and my mum. For all that, and a whole lot more, my dad was my hero. That's why I chose him as my best man. That's why he was stood by my side when my wife walked down the aisle. That was on the 12th of May, 1990. On the 11th of May, 2018, precisely 27 years and 364 days later, my dad was diagnosed with kidney cancer. There is an irony to all of this that will not be lost on anyone that knows my dad. Despite an unrelenting work ethic that ensured that he rarely, if ever, missed a day's work, my dad has always been a world-class hypochondriac. Over the years, he has claimed to have the symptoms of everything from bubonic plague to rabies, from premenstrual tension to Dutch elm disease. He's had ailments and illnesses the medical world hasn't even discovered yet. And yet, when he received the news that he finally had something properly wrong with him, he took it in his stride. The cancer is small, apparently, and it seems to be contained, although he does have to undergo more tests. It's also operable, although the fact that he also has lung fibrosis makes that operation more complicated and rather more hazardous. And so, in typical fashion, he's putting others first. He's currently house hunting, trying to find a house near the sea that will be more manageable to my mum when he, as he puts it, pops his clogs. I know my dad. I'm sure he's concerned, possibly even terrified. He's putting a brave face on all this to avoid upsetting my mum, my sister, me and his grandchildren. But I wouldn't expect anything else. For all that, and a whole lot more, my dad's my hero. Thanks for listening. Demolition News Radio. Dedicated to demolition.